Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And today we're talking about how George Lucas made a perfect prequel to Star Wars. Yeah. Before we get started, I would like to ask if you like this episode or this podcast, please go into the app that you're listening to me on and give me a five-star rating and maybe even a review. That really does help out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share me with more people, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would do that. Okay, so what are we talking about today? The Clone Wars, and how it changed both how I watched the movies, and how you should watch the movies, and how it turned Star Wars into an open world that will will be capable of sustaining multiple stories outside of the Skywalker legacy. Okay, so I'm sure some of you clicked onto this episode because you saw the title and went, ah, you're going to be talking about episodes one, two, and three, and I'm going to figure out how I can tear your arguments apart. I don't have as big an issue with episodes one, two, and three as a lot of folks have, mainly because I think as a writer... I realized that that is what George wanted them to be. And, well, whether I agree with all of the decisions that he made, he he did everything on those movies, from writing to directing to sitting in the edit, editing bay, making sure that they looked and felt exactly the way he wanted. I mean, there is no greater source of authorial intent in any media than the Star Wars prequels. They, they are exactly what George wanted. You, you can't quibble on that. Whether they're what fans wanted or not, that's a whole other issue. And we've talked about that before on episodes like I am an author do, and do, do I matter anymore, which you can go back and take a listen to where I talk a lot more about authorial intent and the idea of the death of the author. That's not what I'm doing here. In fact, I think the Clone Wars succeeded for the same reason the prequels failed. And that was the involvement of George Lucas. So, for as much as the prequel era gets torn apart by fans of Star Wars and others who just want to sound cool because they can take apart a very popular franchise. There are several things that came from the prequels and the prequel era that have defined all Star Wars that has and will follow. But nothing more so than the Clone Wars. So why did the Clone Wars work when the movies didn't? Well, for that, we have to go back to why did Star Wars succeed? Why did the first movie in 1976 actually work? That's because George's wife took the project away from him. It's something we don't talk about much when we talk about 
science fiction and when we talk about Star Wars in general. Because George Lucas was part of an Artur movement in filmmaking, where we look at his contemporaries like, you know, Geffen and Spielberg and Coppola and, 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 and look at them as these geniuses who would come to a project with the ideas completely fully formed and made masterpiece films. And I'm not going to be talking about the others because I'm specifically talking about Star Wars today, but especially with Star Wars, that is not the case. First of all, if for anybody who doubts that the prequels are what George had envisioned from the beginning, Marvel Comics actually released a series of comics called The Star Wars. The word the is very important there. They adapted it from the original scripts. So you can get a sense of what Star Wars would have looked like if some of the earlier scripts had been adapted into movies as opposed to what ended up coming out as Star Wars. Because when he got... And when he eventually sold the idea to Fox, he had already cut the idea down and revised it quite heavily. And when you read the Star Wars, it reads a lot more like the prequels than the original trilogy does. The characters are recognizable. In fact, some of the characters that would appear later are there much more visibly, like Mace Windy, whose name changes by one letter. And Han Solo is a monster. <laughs> it, it's a much... It's, it's a very different story, and I, I recommend, if you're a Star Wars fan, to check it out, just to see what Star Wars might have been in an alternative universe. But it does give you a good idea of how the movies would have turned out had he been able to sell them earlier. But because they were, the studios were not willing to give him the money to make the films, he continuously revised the story. And in so doing, he cut it down, he simplified it, and created the shooting script for the movie that would eventually be known as A New Hope, and at the time was simply known as Star Wars. Now, when he showed this movie to his friends, and by his friends, I, I'm talking about those heavy hitters, Geffen and Spielberg and Katzenberg and the like, they were horrified by what they saw. They told George Lucas that this was going to be one of the biggest flops in all movie history that it was terrible, it was incomprehensible, that the story didn't make sense, that the emotional beats just didn't land. And the brilliant thing that George did was he turned it over to his wife at the time, who was an editor, and she recut the movie and created the Star Wars that we know. So there is, if you will, a director's cut of Star Wars out there somewhere. When people talk about wanting to see the original film, there's actually an original, original film that no one got to see except for a handful of other directors that was a 
abysmal. And you can see some of the clips from this. If you have any of the editions of A New Hope that have deleted scenes on them, you'll get to see some of the stuff that got cut out. Okay. So, that's how Star Wars happened. So what happened with the prequels and why was the Clone Wars so good? Well, the problem with the prequels is the problem that the original Star Wars had. George Lucas, by this point, is literally a billionaire. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it would be nice if the movies made a lot of money, which, by the way, they did. And by Hollywood standards, that's all that matters? I, I feel like I have to point this out constantly because we live in a world where most of us rationally think that good reviews and good audience reception is what makes something good. Aquaman made over a billion dollars. It doesn't matter if it was a good movie or not. There will be sequels. And the same was true with the prequels. The prequels made really good money. The six movies that George Lucas did, the six Star Wars movies that George Lucas was involved with, were and are some of the top grossing films of all time. So as of this recording, let me, I'm just going to go down the top grossing movies of all time, highlighting just the Star Wars movies. Number three is Star Wars The Force Awakens. And we have a lot of movies that came out after the prequels populating this chart, so, such as um, Aveng The Avengers, Age of Ultron, Black Panther, Deathly Hollows. Number 11 is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah, The Last Jedi is way up there. We haven't even gotten to the original Star Wars movies yet. And this is very important to note that we're going to go through the Transformers movies and several Pirates of the Caribbean movies until we get to number 28, which is a Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Then, number 33, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yeah, The Phantom Menace, and we haven't gotten to the other Star Wars yet. These movies made money. Like, Phantom Menace, just to go back to it for a minute, it made over a billion dollars. That's over a billion dollars. And yet, it was outdone by Rogue One, and The Last Jedi, and The Force Awakens. And so, from a, from a business standpoint, you have to remember... Money is what this is all about. So again, for everybody who thinks The Last Jedi was a bomb, well, <laughs> no. I mean, it, it outperformed all of the other Star Wars movies except for The Force Awakens. So, there's that. So, what made it's The Clone Wars special? He worked with a team. He brought in Dave Filoni and several others who would help script and do creative work on the series. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, he had a team. I mean, Ben Burt and the others were in there working with him on episodes one, two, and three. Yeah, but not really. All of the stories, the nature of the visuals, and how everything worked out in the prequel trilogy came specifically from George. Now, 
George gave himself final say on what happened with the Clone Wars and would often give them story ideas. And it was that working with a team that allowed those movies to work as well as they did. Allowed those TV shows to outshine the actual prequels. Before I go into depth and detail there, I actually thought it might be fun to go through all 19 theatrical releases of Star Wars films from bottom to top, just so you get an understanding when I'm talking about how all this works. Number 19 was the Attack of the Clones IMAX experience, then the re-release of Return of the Jedi, then the Empire Strikes Back re-release, and the Star Wars A New Hope re-release. Then the Clone Wars movie. Remember the Clone Wars movie? The movie that launched everything else where they took the pilot episodes, smacked them together and put them in the theater? Yeah, the story of Jabba the Hutt's son. So those were the re-releases. But now here we are at number 14, and we have the Star Wars Episode One re-release in 3D. The Return of the Jedi Special Edition. The Star Wars Empire Strikes Back Special Edition. The A New Hope Special Edition. Then... Empire Strikes Back. You know, the best movie, according to most people, in the Star Wars franchise. And then, making more money than it, Solo, a Star Wars story. Yep, you heard me. Solo made more money than The Empire Strikes Back. And then you have Return of the Jedi, Attack of the Clones, the original Star Wars... Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, and The Force Awakens at number 1. From a business standpoint, you can see how this franchise ranks, because they only care about the dollars. So why did The Clone Wars work? I know I've spent a lot of time kind of getting to this point, but I think it's important to understand how Hollywood works and how Star Wars is seen, especially by the folks at Disney who bought it. And they saw two things. One, the movies make crazy amounts of money, even the quote-unquote flop of Solo. Even Solo, it's the number nine. Out of all of these theatrical releases, it beat out Empire Strikes Back. Okay, so how do you actually make a prequel that works? And why is The Clone Wars, why do I claim at least, that The Clone Wars is the perfect prequel? Well, we'll talk about that after the break. Now, I didn't mean to do all of that lead up into this. I actually wanted to talk about the, the Clone Wars more, and so I may do more episodes on it. But I feel that it's very important to understand where I'm coming from in that I'm trying to look at this from both a story standpoint and a business standpoint. The prequels were not failures business-wise. If they had been, Disney wouldn't have laid out all that money to buy Lucasfilm. They made an insane amount of money, and they brought in a whole bunch of new fans. And whatever you think about them, they created a lot of new Star Wars fans. But The Clone Wars, for me, is a perfect prequel. 
and why? Well, one, it is definitely dealing with something that we knew very little about. Well, we know that there was a Clone Wars. The very beginning of Star Wars, right? You served my father in the Clone Wars, Princess Leia says. So what were the Clone Wars? We don't get an answer in the movies. The movies have Attack of the Clones, which is the beginning of the Clone Wars, and Revenge of the Sith, which is the end of the Clone Wars. Nothing in between is covered in the actual films. And so here we are having to cope with Lucas making an animated TV series to fill in the blanks. So what did he do right in the TV series that he got wrong in the movies? So first of all, the series did some things that were very important. We already know who's going to win the Clone Wars, and it's going to be the Empire. It's the third party that we don't see overtly fighting in the movie. Because we've already seen Revenge of the Sith. We know how the Clone Wars ends. We know how they begin. We know how they end. We know that by the end of it, Anakin Skywalker is going to be Darth Vader. Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be in hiding. And Padme Amidala is going to be dead. If any of those are spoilers, I'm sorry. Those movies came out a very long time ago. They're Star Wars, and I just expect you to know the basic plot of most Star Wars movies, especially the older ones. And all of that spoiled by the original movie in 1977 anyway. So, eh. That's why I didn't give any spoiler warnings. So... Some of the things that they did that are very important is none of the episodes have to deal with the outcome of the war. And this is so important. None of the seasons, none of the episodes themselves have to do with the outcome of the war. And very... No, actually, none of the episodes really have anything to do with life or death circumstances for any of the characters that we know survive. We don't see Obi-Wan or Anakin or any of the other characters put in a situation where they might die. Because, again, we, we, we know they live. So there's no tension in that moment. What we do see is them getting captured. And how are they going to escape? We see various battles during the Clone Wars. And... Since we don't know how any of the individual battles of the Clone Wars eventually will pan out, there can be tension as to which side is actually going to win. How are they going to pull this out? We actually get to see them succeed and fail. And that's very important for the plot arc of the series. And with the introduction of a character like Ahsoka Tano, we, act we get to see how... Anakin becomes disaffected with the Jedi Order. How he begins to see them as an authority that needs to be questioned. And we see how he gets opened up to the ideas presented to him by Palpatine. We also get to see how Palpatine groomed him for his eventual life as a Sith. All the while, getting to spend time with both characters that we already know and love, such as Anakin and 
Obi-Wan and Yoda. But we get to spend time with Plo Koon and Kifisto and so many others that we never met before. We get some of the best characters ever added to the Star Wars canon throughout the series. Such as, you know, Hondo. Hondo Onaka. Probably the best rogue ever added to Star Wars. We get to spend more time with Boba Fett as a child and see how he grows up. We get to spend time with Bosk and Aura Singh and other characters that will appear in later media, especially Bosk. Getting to know him and how ruthless he is makes the events in Empire Strikes Back, where we see him in the lineup, actually we get to see most of the bounty hunters in the lineup there in their own episodes throughout the course of the series. The episodes themselves are exciting and interesting, and even include a, include a kaiju episode for reasons that is brilliant and wonderful, because the Emperor, well, not the Emperor yet, the Chancellor, is looking for a way to make armor that is impervious to the Jedi, because they discover a creature who, the Zilla Beast, who is impervious to a lightsaber. So much story gets covered in these episodes so many new characters we get to see the jedi themselves falling to the dark side we get to see the jedi not understanding the nature of the dark side and succumbing to war we get to see how yoda learns how to become one with the force we get more information about the sith and the jedi and the emperor and Dooku, and how he's doing things. We get Asajj Ventress. Again, another one of the great characters. We get Darth Maul and his brother, Savage Opress. That, as much as I rolled my eyes when they revealed that Darth Maul hadn't died in episode one, oh, the episodes with Darth Maul are so good. I am fine with it. I am so fine with it. It, it, it makes everything work so well. He is such a good villain, and I'm glad that we got to revisit him. And we get to spend time with the Mandalorians and get to understand them. And Duchess Satine and everything that's going on there. We get to flesh out Obi-Wan's character and his relationship with Duchess Satine. In all of these actions... George Lucas was able to go back to the original source material with his team and give us stories that deepen the experience of Star Wars. And the brilliant thing was, it changes the way I watch the prequels. It doesn't just affect how I watch the movies that come after it. It, it changes the way I view the movie, movies that come before it. Because hearing how Plo Koon found Ahsoka Tano, getting to see how a Padawan is actually taught, getting to see the internal politics of the Jedi Order, all informs my understanding of the, the prequel trilogy. And so when I watch Revenge of the Sith, 
now, after the Clone Wars, it's a very different movie. Because instead of Anakin falling because he wants to save Padme, and though that is a big part of it, he already doesn't trust the Jedi. Because, well, they kind of drum Ahsoka out for reasons that don't work, and he knows that she's innocent, he knows that she didn't do the things that she wanted to do, he knows about the terrorist Jedi that were attacking the temple to try to bring about reforms and change. He knows all the corruption that's going on. He has seen Jedi who don't mind sending wave after wave of clones into battle to die because they're only clones and don't matter. He has seen and been through so much that the idea that he would fall to the dark side kind of makes sense. When you go from the end of the Clone Wars series with Ahsoka Tano walking away and Anakin in his fear of loss, he just lost his Padawan. And then into the Clone Wars, into, I'm sorry, Revenge of the Sith, and see him having fear that he's going to lose Padme too. That not only Padme, but his own children. His motivations make more sense. And it goes to something that I've said a lot, especially recently, and that's that science fiction and fantasy, especially when you're trying to do epics, tend to work better in serialized fiction than they do in big one-off movies and occasional movies. It's why the MCU works. We get a lot of small films in between the big films so that we understand the characters and their motivations when the big films happen. See, we don't have to take time explaining Steve Rogers and Bruce Banner and Tony Stark in the Avengers movie, or Thor, because we got to spend time with them and we already know them, and so they can just do the things that they need to do. If just the Avengers movie came out, the movie wouldn't be all that good. Because, well, we didn't get to spend the time with them. And this is a problem that a lot of science fiction projects have. It's why I'm concerned about the upcoming Dune movie, because there's so much that happens in that book to make it a comprehensible story. I don't think Dune is achievable as a film. It was barely achievable as a miniseries when the Sci-Fi Channel did it. Because there's just so much that goes on. And the transformation of Paul into the Kuzatsadarak. Oh, there's just so much that happens there. And not to, and then not even to mention the books that follow. And so allowing Star Wars to have that space, to have that time. To be able to tell the stories that it needed to tell and show the galaxy as it was, to open the galaxy up, and to do so in a way that allows us to see the breadth of the galaxy and to let it really fill out. That is one of the things that gives the Clone Wars life. 
And I didn't really get to talk about it in as much detail as I wanted to. So I think I'm going to make this a recurring series. I think I'm going to go back and talk about the Clone Wars in more depth because it's one of the things that I've noticed that people don't even go to Wikipedia to note that it happens. Like I saw several videos in the um, aftermath of the Solo Star Wars movie where they were trying to figure out how Darth Maul shows up at the end of that movie and concocting all manner of theory when all you'd have to do is go to Wikipedia. Like, you don't have to watch all of the Clone Wars. You can just go to Wikipedia, and there it is. Darth Maul survived the fall, went mad, was found by his brother, was brought back by the Night Sisters, and dot, dot, dot. Yeah. There's so much we could do there. So I think... If you don't mind, we're going to take up a regular Star Wars time and go through the Clone Wars and probably directly from the Clone Wars into Rebels because a lot of the storylines end up getting capped off there, especially with Ahsoka and Darth Maul. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to do. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There are times when I wish that this podcast was hours a day, but it's not. (laughs) because there's so much more I want to say, but we'll get to it. If you like this episode, please rate me in whatever app you're listening to me on. That helps out a lot. That tells the algorithms to share me with more people. If you got a buck you can throw my way, just click the link in the show notes that says support on Anchor, and you can support at the $1, $5, or $10 a month levels. That money really does help out a lot because I had to buy a new microphone. Yeah, it's not here yet, but... This one behaved well today, so yay. Um, But your support really does help out a lot. If you don't have the money or you just don't feel like giving, that's fine. Just share this podcast with other people that you think will find it interesting. Especially since we're about to do a deep dive into the Clone Wars. That might be something that you want to share. You know, it's something I want to share because I love the Clone Wars and I like talking about them. Um, That was my dog prancing through the room. Uh, if you want to connect with me, just go to projectshadow.com. You'll see a link to all my social media accounts there. Twitter's the best place to find me. I'm C.E. Dorset there. And until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.